We just read the, the Song of the Sea, and we read the Song of Miriam, and the story of how the water was bitter, and throwing the wood into the water made the water sweet. What wood was that? We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but let's talk about these three concepts and how it applies to, to this 70-year <coughs> celebration of, of the passing of the previous Babacher Rebbe and also the Rebbe's leadership. If you look into Rashi that I, that I passed out to everyone, chapter 20, verse number 2. It starts there, I am God your Lord who took you out of the land of Egypt. It says Rashi something very interesting over here. Number one is the Dabar Acher, the second interpretation. Being that God revealed himself on the sea as a valiant warrior. And then here at Sinai, he revealed himself as an old man full of mercy. Shinemar, etc., etc. So therefore, God goes on to say, Rashi says, you should know, I am God your Lord who took you out of Mitzrayim. I am the same God who took you through the Red Sea. And I'm the same God who's giving you now the Ten Commandments. This is, this is Rashi's insight. In other words, when the Jewish people passed through the Red Sea, what did they see? They looked up and they saw a mirage. They saw a vision. They saw a warrior standing there and separating the waters and watching over all the Jewish people, protecting them as they went through the Red Sea. So now you see an image of God as a warrior. A few weeks later, they received the Torah on Sinai. 49 days, right? They counted after they left Egypt. The 50th day, God gave them the Torah. What do they see? They look on Sinai and they see a vision. They see an elderly scholar, like a teacher, like a rebbe, giving them the Torah. So now you have a question. Is God a warrior or is God a sage? So Rashi says, I am God your Lord, I'm the same. I was the warrior, I'm the sage, is that a contradiction? However, I want to take this concept one step further and connect it to the Parsha of the Week and, and the Song of Midian and also the story with the waters becoming sweet. And to preface this by saying that we celebrate today 70 years of the passing of, of the previous Abba Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchok. When he came to America in 1940, he said, I'm coming here to America to tell the world, America is nish andrish. America is not different. A Jew could be a proud Jew in America just like he was a proud Jew in Europe. And that was his objective over all the years. And one of his greatest revolutionary campaigns, as the Rebbe has stated, was that he empowered women to study Torah and primarily to learn Kabbalah and Chassidus. And number two was that, that women should not only light the candles Friday night in their house, but this should be 
the introduction and the reminder that the women have a tremendous responsibility and power and influence upon their children and their spouses to bring light and inspiration to them. So these were the two major, major points that the, the Rebbe spoke about pertaining to his father-in-law, and the Rebbe truly took this to the next level, as, as we saw that right after the Rebbe's ascent to, to leadership, one of the first things that he did was to establish the, uh, the, women's, the women's group of Nesheu B'nai's Chabad, to, to make sure that the women will continue to, to, to study and grow and inspire other women. Now, before the previous Rebbe passed away, he gave out a maimer, he gave out a Hasidic discourse called Basi Lagani, which means I come to my garden. It's a verse in the Song of Songs. And he gave it out to be studied on the 10th of Shvat, implying that he knew he was going to die on this day. And on the Maimah, he writes, that's in honor of his grandmother, who passed away on this day, Rebbe Zanifka. The Rebbe explained later that he knew the exact day he was going to die, and therefore he gave out this discourse ahead of time that it should be studied on this day. He gave out a second discourse, which was an extension or a continuation of the first discourse to be studied on the 13th of Shabbat, which was the passing of his mother, Rebbe Zanifka. So, the Rebbe basically stated the fact that he made these two days into important days and giving out a Hasidic discourse to be studied in honor of two great matriarchs of Israel implied that this was really his entire mission in life to empower the Jewish women with this responsibility to, to study Torah and also the, the mystical aspect of the Torah. Every year on, on the, in the passing of Yitzvah, the Rebbe would fabring, and he would discuss a different chapter of this discourse that the Rebbe gave out, mm-hmm. of 20 chapters, and our Rebbe, the seventh Rebbe, would discuss the discourse of the sixth Rebbe, and every year elaborate on one of those chapters. So this year would be chapter number 10. And the discourse the Rebbe said for chapter 10, is the point I want to make right now. He asked the question, and he brings down in the name of the Maggot of Mezrich. The Maggot of Mezrich asks, how is it possible that God should have two different images? On one hand, God says, I am not an image. You did not see any tumunai. You did not see a picture of me on Sinai, because I'm bigger than an image. I'm bigger than a picture. I'm not limited to, to a human body or form. As the Rambam says, if anyone thinks God is a human form, then he's limiting God. God is infinite. So how come God appears at the splitting of the Red Sea like a soldier and at the giving of the Torah and Sinai like a sage? This is the question the Magad of Mizrich asks. Furthermore, God said, I violation easy, I don't change. God never changes, doesn't get old, doesn't get tired, doesn't change. We, you know, in the morning we're fresh, at night we're tired. When we're 20, we're young. When we're 99, we get a little older. You know, we get older with, with time. Like wine, we age. We get better and better. But God says, I need a violation, you see, I don't change. I don't get older, I don't get tired. I don't change my form. If that's the case, how come we saw an image of God at the splitting of the Red Sea, as Rashi says, like a warrior? 
And later we see God as a old sage. And the Magad says the most powerful, most beautiful thing. He said, this is the love that a father has for a child. We call this today, to use the American vernacular, a Kodak moment. <laughs> what is a Kodak moment? You have in your mind certain moments, certain experiences that meant a lot to you. When your child was born and you brought him to the bris, you have that picture in your mind, bring him to the bris. A mother who gives birth has in mind how the child now emerges and comes into the world. When, when you celebrate your, your daughter's bas mitzvah, you have in mind the dress she wore and how she smiled and how she spoke. And when you walk your daughter to the chuppah, you have in mind the dress she wore and, 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 and the makeup she was wearing and, and the diamond she was wearing and the crown she was wearing and, 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 the, and the light that was coming from her face. This is the Kodak moment. These are the impressions that these experiences make in our brain, in our mind, upon us. This image is engraved in God's mind. And this is the reciprocity that, that God now gives back to us. In other words, when we do good things and he sees us in a good light, he then showers us and the world with tremendous blessing. But it could be also the reverse. It could be, as it says, God will wash off the filth of the daughters of Zion, of the Jewish people. When we sin, when we violate the Torah, God has that impression in his mind. And he reciprocates in the same way, unfortunately, sometimes. But when we do tshuva, when we, we refine ourselves on Yom Kippur, and every day we have the aspect of Yom Kippur, every day we could make amends, then we see how God washes off our, our filth. But regardless of what we do, from the greatest and most important action until the most insignificant action, God is always with us. He is always watching us. And we are always making an impression upon God. And this is the teaching of the Magid of Mazrich pertaining to this verse over here and the parasha that we read just now pertaining to the song of the sea and the splitting of the Red Sea. Now, after that, we talk about Miriam. Miriam said, you guys sang a very nice song, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy enough. It wasn't good enough. I'm going to do a better song. <clears throat> now, there are those people who say that, that the men and women were separated at that time, and that's why she sang separately. The Rebbe actually said that there was no Yetzirah, and there was no reason for them to be separated. So after that song, Miriam, however, elevated the level of song to a whole new level. She took the women and she made circles, she began to dance, and they began to dance with tambourines, with musical instruments. And the, the level of joy was much more intense than even the song of Moses. And the question comes to mind, how is it that the, the song of Miriam was so much greater? Number two is Miriam is called Miriam. Why is she called Miriam? What does Miriam mean? Miriam means like marar, right? Miriam means bitter. Why was she called bitter? Miriam was born at the most bitter time, the worst time of the Egyptian exile. 
86 years before the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt, she was born. And at that time, the mother, Yocheved, gave her the name Miriam to imply that we are living now through a very, very desperate, dark, bitter time in history. How is it that Miriam, who was sad and born at the darkest time of history, now creates the most joyous, jubilant, happiest, and most amazing song, even greater, so to speak, than the song of Moses. So the story is that Pharaoh decreed that all the males should be thrown into the Nile. What happened was that Moses' father and mother, Amnon and Yechevet, separated. When they heard this decree, they separated from each other. Now, even though Yechevet was 130 years old at that time, She separated at that time from her husband, Amram. And because Amram and Yechebe were the leaders of the Jewish people, so all the other Jewish families separated from their spouses. Because why should you have children who are going to get thrown into a Nile? Miriam was a young girl. She went over to her mother. She went over to her father and said, Dad, Amma, I have to tell you something. I received the prophecy that you are going to give birth to the Savior of Israel. You are going to give birth to a Moses who's going to take the Jews out of Israel, out of Egypt, and bring them to the land of Israel. You have to get back to each other, get back together, to get back together. And they have a son by the name of Moshe, Moses. Now, Yocheved gave birth early. She gave birth at the end of the sixth month, right at the beginning of the seventh month. So she was able to hide Moshe for seven, eight, and nine, three months. She hid Moshe until the Egyptian soldiers came around knocking on the door, where's the baby? So Amnon tells uh, Miriam, it was your fault that we had this baby. And because it was your fault, so you got to find a way to hide him. You have to find a way to protect him. So Miriam is the one, not Yecheved, who takes Moshe, puts him in a basket, and puts him on the Nile to hide him away from the Egyptians and keeps her eye to see what's happening with Moshe Rabbeinu. And she's waiting to see what's going to be with the prophecy because she knows she received the prophecy. It's going to be true. But how it's going to actually pan out, who knows? It could be this way, it could be that way. Something's going to happen. She had a munah. She had tremendous faith it was going to happen. But it didn't look good. It didn't look good at that moment. And... As the story goes, the daughter of Pharaoh goes into the water. She's going onto the beach. And she sees a baby. And she takes the baby into the palace. And Pharaoh says, I'm trying to kill the Jews. Are you trying to save them? She says, Dad, it's only one kid. That's the big deal. And then she tries to give Moshe to the mothers, to the women, to the wet nurses in the palace to eat. Moshe refuses. She realizes this kid is a Jewish kid. He only wants to drink chal of Yisrael, kosher milk. <laughs> That's what happened. So she looks around to find some Jewish kid to try to get a wet nurse. And Miriam is hanging out over there around the palace. She says, hey, girl, come over here. I'm looking for a wet nurse to feed my baby. Oh, I have the perfect woman. Her name is Yocheved, the, mo- the mother of Moshe. 
And, and uh, she says, fine. Let me meet her. I want to see that she's normal. And she's a good person. She meets Yecheved. says, fine. Here, you take the baby. For the next two years, you feed the baby in your house. I'll pay you for raising this child. Thus, we now have today food stamps. <laughs> okay? So, she gets paid. She gets paid to pay to feed the child of Basia, Bitya, right? The daughter of Pharaoh, who converted to Judaism, by the way. That's why she was in the Nile at that time. She was going to Mikvah, says the Talmud. She gave up all her father's idols. She says, I'm converting out of this religion to something holy like the Jews do. You know, it's like a normal American girl. They rebel against their parents, right? So the parent says, serve idols. Oh, I'm not going to serve idols. I'm going to be Jewish. Right? I'm going to do something else to make my parents upset at me. I know their buttons. They don't like the Jews. Oh, I'm going to be Jewish. That's exactly what I want to do. What else don't you like, Ma? What else? Pot? Okay, I want pot. What else don't you like? Uh, marrying young? I'm getting married very young because you don't want me to get married young. So all these things you don't want me to do, I'm going to do. So Basia, the daughter of Pharaoh, takes in this child, Moshe. And for the first two years, she pays Recheva to raise Moshe. And then she brings Moshe back into the palace. But Miriam was the culprit. Miriam was the cause of all this. And she was even given the name Miriam because at that time was the most bitter time of the Egyptian exile. Now, 80 years later, fast forward 80 years later, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to take the Jews out of Egypt. And Miriam goes, aha, you see, I knew it all the time. I told you. I believed in Hashem all these years. I prayed that Moshe should be the savior of the Jewish people. And look, he just took us out of Egypt. Look, he just split for us the Red Sea. Look at all these miracles that he did for us. So the joy that Miriam had was so much greater than the joy of the rest of the Jewish people. Because she was the one behind it. She was the one that went through the difficulty and the hardness and the suffering. And now she sees this light. And that's the way we the Jewish people are going to experience when Mashiach comes, going through a holocaust, going through pain and suffering. From all these years, we're going to dance with betufim b'choyles, with circles and with tambourines and live bands and music. Why? Because when you go from darkness to light, the light is much greater. But you never experience sadness, so you don't really experience joy. But when you have a kvetch and a tzara and tzaris, and, and all these other difficulties in the world. And the coronavirus, and all these other things, all these mishigas that we have. And then you heal, and you see, and you see light, and you see joy. No, no, no doubt this is the greatest jubilee that a person can truly experience. So Miriam's song was greater than that of even Moshe. However, the Jewish people were not yet convinced they were still bitter. They still had inside of them some remorse, some resentment. Why did we have to leave Egypt for? We had the theaters. We had the restaurants. We had the, the bars. And over here in the desert. So they're bitter. You're bitter. The way you are, that's the way God sees you. It's the Kodak moment. So now the water becomes bitter. God says, you're bitter, the water is going to be bitter. The way you are, that's the way the world is going to be. 
So the moment they threw the wood into the water, which is a reminder of Torah. The Torah is, as we say, we pick up the Torah, the Eitz Chaim, the, the, the tree of life. Once they connected themselves once again with, with, with reality, with, with God, with Yiddishkeit, the water became sweet. It was transformed. So the Jewish women, starting with Miriam, and going back even to, to Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, were always the, the forefront of Yiddishkeit. <laughs> and this is, this is the, the message of this Pasha, that even though Moshe Rabbeinu was the actual savior and he took him out of Egypt and he performed all these miracles, yet the, the song of Miriam is considered to be even greater. And that is why the Haftorah that we read the Shabbos is the song of Devorah. Even though there's also a song of, of, of King David, yet we read the song of Devorah because the Haftorah that we read in the Parsha underscores the Parsha. And it's coming to underscore that really what is the main point here of the Parsha? It's the role of the Jewish woman. And this goes back to what we said earlier was really one of the revolutionary accomplishments of, of, of the previous Rebbe and, and, and the seventh Rebbe, our Rebbe, that women need to realize that, that they are the Miriam, that they are the Sarah, they are the Rivka, the Rachavaleh, and contrary to Western society or, or even European society, that the role of the Jewish woman has always been to, to be the light onto the entire family and to influence in a positive way the entire family. Mm-hmm. And we see this starting <clears throat> from Miriam in this week's parasha, and then it continues on to the giving of the Torah. When we read next week's parasha of Yisroi, when it came to the giving of the Torah, what happened over there? God tells Moshe, First, talk to the women, then talk to the men. And thus, ladies first. Right? Ladies and gentlemen, where did we get it from? We got it from the Torah. God tells Moshe, first talk to the women, then talk to the men. This is the idea of ladies first and ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> so, in the Torah itself, we, we see these concepts over and over again. And this, this idea of, of lighting the Shabbos candles is the same idea, same concept, same theme. Because... The women light the concepts, eight, the light the candles 18 minutes before Shabbos, before sunset. When do the men bring in the Shabbos? When they go to Shul and they daven and make Kiddush. <clears throat> Could be a half an hour later, an hour later, then they bring in the Shabbos. But already before the Shabbos started, they were the first, they were, they were the forefront and the initiation of the Shabbos. We explained many times in the past that the word ner candle in Hebrew has a gematria. What's the gematria of Ner? Nun is 50, mm-hmm. Reish is 200. What is 250? There are 248 positive commandments. And each mitzvah needs to be done with love and fear. Love and awe of God. Not to be done out of, out of reluctance or robotic or simply because uh, my mother told me so, but it should be done on a personal level because you want to. Women are in touch with their emotions. When they do things, they do it with, with passion. Many times men do things without, without that passion. So when the mother is lighting the candles, and, and the girls in the family from the age of three already are lighting the Shabbos candles, 
really what they're doing is they're imploring the, the men of the family to do the 248 positive commandments, but to do it with love and awe. And this is the, the role of the lighting candles. Not simply, okay, let's, let's put on a candle and make a bracha. It's much deeper than that. And, and it has tremendous, tremendous layers of, of interpretation. But primarily, again, this represents the, the, the importance of empowering women, the importance of, of, of women realizing that they, they need to bring not only uh, love and, and, and comfort and warmth into the home as a mother, but, but they need to be the, the teachers of the home and the light of the home and the inspiration of the home and, and to truly empower their children, empower their spouses and to, to influence them in a positive way to get up and go to shul and get up and go learn Torah, get out of the house, stop hacking at Chinik, you know, be a minch, you know, button up your shirt and, and your shirt should be sticking out of your pants, stuck it into your pants, all of these things the woman has to really um, inspire and encourage the family to do. And because they do it with love and they do it with sensitivity, it has a much greater influence than, than the father on the children. <clears throat> and this is really what the Gemara says, it was b'schad in Roshim Sitkonius nigalu aviseinu miyaz misraim. It was in the merit of our righteous women that our forefathers were redeemed from the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And as we explained many times, that this generation is a reincarnation of the souls that left Egypt. And just like the, the women that time made it into the land of Israel, not the men, because most of the men died out in the desert. This time, however, the women will bring the men into the land of Israel. And, and it will be with their merit. So not only are women receiving reward for bringing about the redemption, but really the redemption is all about the, the feminine quality, the feminine aspect. Because the, the, the quality of femininity in Kabbalah is the quality of malchus, which is kingship. Which is really the concept of, of receiving. And receiving means to become one with God, to receive God's light and to be connected with God. This level of, of receiving, which is the level of malchus, is the level that will be dominant after Mashiach comes. And that's why women already are rising to tremendous positions in government and in, 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 in the workforce, etc., etc. And when Mashiach will come, it says, the women of valor will become the crowns of their husbands, implying that they will truly be greater and, and much more dominant and powerful than, than the men. So it starts today. It starts today already. And in many homes, like mine, you see it already. <laughs> but, uh, but this concept will continue throughout the world and very, very soon we will see that Mashiach will come and we will see that the feminine mystique and the feminine quality persevere throughout the entire world when the world will be accepting of godliness, will be accepting of spirituality, will be accepting of actions of kindness and goodness and will be sensitive to the needs of others and we'll see very, very soon the, the ultimate goal or the ultimate redemption when God will split the Euphrates, as it says, and all the nations of the world will return to the, the land of Israel, to the third holy temple with the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Amen. Amen. But if you notice, there's this big push, like it's in now, the kindness yeah. of what the yeah. rest of the world is finally yeah. catching up. Okay, any questions?